God's word together. Today's scripture reading is from Psalm 139, verse 15 to 16. Psalm 139, verse 15 to 16. If you are using your pew Bible, it's on page 522. And let's be reminded that when we read God's word together, that we're united as a church, as a believer in Christ. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. Psalm 139, verse 15 to 16. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, many of you might know that um, I follow the Houston uh, sports team very closely. However, because uh, my busy work schedule, seldom do I have an uh, opportunity to watch any of the games. Various times I do, uh, I do check the final score. <clears throat> and... Uh, that determines whether I'm going to watch those highlights or not. See, if they win, I'll watch the highlights. If they lose, eh, I'm not going to waste my time watching the game. You see, there's a big advantage of watching the game when you know what the results will be. See, even though your team might be losing badly, if you knew that they're going to win, you know, you just kind of relax and because you know what's going to happen. Well, God has a vantage point of knowing the final score for each of our lives. He has written the final chapter. Although there might be dramas, ups and downs in our lives, that we can be encouraged as we follow his purposes that we will know the final results as well. And, and that reminds me of our scripture reading this morning from Psalms chapter 139. We just read just a moment ago, verse 15 and 16. I'd like to just read that again. It says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. And in your book were written, every one of them, the day that were formed for me, when it yet there was none of them. Actually, I like to read that verse again, but uh, in, in the NIV, I feel like the, uh, it, it gives us a, a little different perspective of that, but particularly in verse 16. In, in, in the NIV, it says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me was written in your book before one of them came to be. See, God made it clear that he is a sovereign God. 
Nothing happens to us unless it goes through the hands of God. He knows all that will happen to us. He has purpose set up for us so that we might be able to enjoy life to his very fullest. See, God has given us this gift of life. And may we not squander it, but rather, may we enjoy this life. And may we not be deceived by false claims of life. Instead, may we embrace God's truths. And when we do so, we will have confidence to finish the race that God has ordained before us. The last several weeks, uh, we've been uh, going through a mini-series called Goodness of Givenness. We're trying to draw greater awareness to a dominant idea regarding selfhood. How, how we view ourselves. It is a belief various times that the thinking of sovereign self. It basically believes that we are the master of the universe. That everything revolves around me. This morning, I'd like to look at three false claims from this dominant self in comparison to God's truth. If you have your bulletin, you open up the outlines there. I'd like to just give an overview of those three points. First, we claim to be the master of the universe, but in reality, God is the master of the universe. And secondly, we claim that our purpose in life is our happiness. But God's purpose is his glory and our good. And third, we claim that we control our destiny. For some time, we, we, we contributed to luck. But God's providence will achieve his sovereignty. See, God's given us the gift of life. And may we not squander it, but may we see life in light of God's perspective. So let's look at that first false claim and, and, and the first God's truth. We claim to be the master of the universe, but God is the master of the universe. Most people think that we are in charge. And that the universe revolves around us. What is most important to us is me, myself, and I. Now, this is a man who is self-centered. He has a self-sufficient mindset. And that reminds me of the passage that's written in James chapter 4, verses 13 to 15. James chapter 4. Verses 13 and 15. Let me just read that uh, to you. It says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we'll go in such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? 
For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanish. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this and that. James here is addressing the businessman who was really self-assured of all the traveling plans that he has as well as his schedule and the future results. He was so certain and, and definite that all of his plans will come to being just as he prearranged it. And you know, many of us are probably like that too. You know, we plan things and we think that we got it all figured out. And we deceive ourselves thinking that we are in control. But in reality, we are really not. There's so many things that are out of our control. We tend to overestimate our abilities. And we claim that we have graduated in some renowned universities with a master's degree or, or with a doctor's degree. We claim that we're smart and we have everything under control. And we deceive ourselves thinking that we also will be around for a long time. And as you know, I'm, I'm a fairly organized person and I like to plan things out try to anticipate things, and, 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 and I uh, kind of have a master plan. I, I, I remember um, I, I had, uh, when I was younger, uh, I had a master plan as to when to get married. You know, I, I served as a, a youth counselor to, um, during my uh, college years. It was common uh, for one of the young people to ask me, when do you think is the right time to get married? And without any hesitation, I got it all figured out. I would tell them at 25, you see, you have gotten out of college for about three years, and you've earned some money and saved some money. And face uh, the world for three years and worked in the, the marketplace for several years. You're mature and you are ready at 25. Well, um, that seems very logical. And uh, when I turned 25, all the young people were looking forward to me getting married. Well, that didn't happen. Well, I thought that uh, I was the master of the universe. I, I got things figured out. But that really wasn't the case. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him. And for him. See, life is not all about me. But it is all about God. Kings and rulers they claim that they are the one that is in charge. That reminds me 
of King Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon. And in Daniel chapter 4, verse 30, he, he talks about just, just how much authority that he has. And it says, and the king answered and said, is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O king Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your swelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until, until, you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. You know, to, it's easy to boast about all the things that we accomplish. And sometimes uh, we, we, we think uh, uh, we're, we're invincible. We, we are God, matter of fact. And we see that was how King Nebuchadnezzar see himself. And we see who is really in control. Who is the master of the universe? It is God. He's the one that gives power and authority to those that rule. And may we learn to humble ourselves and realize that it was God who gave us abilities to do the things that we can do. For the Bible says, pride goes before destruction. And we either humble ourselves before the Lord or he will humble us as we see here in King Nebuchadnezzar. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 12 to 17, it talks about Moses reminds the people that when they become successful... He warned them of pride sneaking in where they will give credit to themselves and where they will forget that it was the Lord who gave them the abilities to be successful. We're to be grateful for God, who's the master of the universe, and the creator of all things, for he is the one who has given us the abilities to achieve great things. I'm reminded again, back in James chapter 2, I mean chapter 4, verse 15, it says, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this and that. See, God is in control. And may we learn to submit ourselves before him. Lord, is it this school that you want me to go to next? Lord, should I accept this position, this job? And Lord, should I be dating this young man or young lady? Again, we're reminded in Isaiah 55. 8 and 9, it says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are higher than yours. Therefore, 
this it's important that we need to focus on God, knowing who He is, understanding His will. If we want to maximize our life, may we submit ourselves to God who is the master of the universe. And because at various times we claim to be the master of the universe, we try to play the role of God. But we see it in Scripture, specifically in Isaiah 48, verse 11, it says, and, and I'm going to read it in a little different version today, English version. It says, what I do is done for my sake. I will not let my name be dishonored or let anyone I'll share the glory that should be my and my alone. God is in charge. And there should be no one else that would take any credit that belongs to his glory. Because he is the master of the universe. A second false claim, life, is, is that our purpose in life isn't our happiness. But God's purpose is his glory and our good. We claim that our purpose, life, is our happiness. It's about me again. Life is, hey, we, we, should, we should get all that we can and, and, and then we should just eat, drink, and be merry. It reminds me again of a parable of the rich, the rich foo, which is recorded in Luke chapter 12. I'd like to read some of that to you. The land of a rich man produced plentiful, and he thought to himself, What should I do? For I have nowhere to store my crop. And he says, Well, I'll just do this. I'll tear down to my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grains and all my goods. And, and I will say to my soul, So you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Eat. Drink. And be merry. But God said to him, Food. This night, your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who laid up treasure for himself and is not rich for God. When we think uh, our purpose in life is all about me and just have happiness and just um, thinking about myself, and God said, hey, you know, uh, that's, not, that's not your purpose. Um, God may call us home before we think it is time. How we receive the greatest fulfillment 
It's uh, by accomplishing the purposes that God has prepared for us. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, we're not here for our happiness. It's not all about me, but it's all about God as God's workmanship. We are all wired differently with unique gifts and passions that we are to use to bring glory to God and to bring goodness to others. Again, for many, life is all about me. What's it in for me, we ask? What do I gain from this? How am I going to be happy from being involved in this activity? Happiness tends to be just focusing on ourselves. It's all about me. Again, I just want to remind you again from Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, the latter part, it says that all things were created by him and for him. They include who we are and all that we do. It's not about us. It is about our God. In Romans uh, 8.28, a very familiar verse uh, for many of us, it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. The Apostle Paul here gives us a beautiful promise that all things work together for good. But there's two conditions here. You got to look a little more carefully. It just doesn't automatically happen. And those two conditions that uh, we know that this will happen, that all things work together for good, is first that we need to love God. And secondly, that we're called according to his purpose. That we're doing those things that according to God's purpose. If we're doing that and we love God, hey, God says all things are going to work together for good. Now, we might not see the final results right away. God is working behind the scene to bring him glory and to bring us good. See, God loves his children. He desires to provide goodness to us. But yet sometimes that goodness might not come according to our timing. And sometimes the goodness might involve some suffering and some pain. And various times we might complain and says that everything seems to be going wrong. And we question where God is. Why is he silent? Why is he not rescuing me from my troubles? And various times it's a matter of timing. You see, God sees the whole picture and we only see frame by frame. We all want to solve the problem right away. But we do not see all that God sees. Various times before God would give us a clear solution, God might want to change our hearts. 
we might need to learn some important lessons first. Are we willing to submit ourselves before God and to believe Him even during times of uncertainties, even though we're going through some times of pain or confusion? Are we willing to humble ourselves to acknowledge that we really do not know it all, that we, we, we are really powerless and we are inadequate. Usually it is because of prime that hinder us from yielding to God. And God wants us to walk by faith rather by sight. Are we focusing just upon ourselves or are we focusing upon God? Too often, we view our happiness based upon what I can do for myself. And the more we depend upon ourselves, the less we need God. It is when we recognize who God really is, then we understand how small we are. Unfortunately, we tend to inflate ourselves in seeing who we are, and we deflate who God is. But when we get it right, then we're motivated to love God and to pursue to do God's will because we know what is good for God is also good for us. Our Lord cherish us because we belong to him. In spite of our weakness, in, in spite of our wretchedness, he's still there to pick us up when we fall. I'd like the worship team to come up and uh, sing a song to help us to meditate upon what I just talked about, and I'll continue on um, with the message. The song is entitled, Who Am I? Oh uh -huh. 
God's purpose is for His glory and our good. Things are rarely what it appears on the outside. There are times when we go through times of uncertainties or time of pain. May we choose to walk in faith and not by sight. Earlier this week, um, uh, I received an alarming text from my sister about my dad, who's 95. Uh, he has Alzheimer uh, for the last eight years. It's a terrible disease uh, that uh, rip into an individual's physical well-being, mental and emotional well-being. Uh, my sister informed me that uh, my dad uh, attempted to assault my mom uh, by waving, by swinging his cane and throwing op heavy objects toward my mom. I'm thankful that nothing happened to mom. She was greatly frightened. My sister, who lives in the area, had been caring for my mom for many years. And if you totally exhausted, I've decided um, it's my responsibility. It's my time to take care of my folks at this time. I've asked for a little a time of leave. And I'll be leaving tomorrow to go back to California. I'm not sure as to um, what's going to happen or necessarily how long I might be gone. But I know that I need to be home. And yet I know I'm not alone. I trust that God knows even in the midst of confusion, even in the midst of uncertainties, God's purpose is for his glory and for our good. I ask you to pray uh, for me and my family, for wisdom, for patience. In Isaiah chapter 47, it says that my purpose will stand 
I will do all that I please. What I plan, that will I do. You see, God's way are higher than our way. Therefore, may we be wise to align our will with God's will so that we can maximize our lives during the brief period of time that we are here on this earth. Now, the third and final false claim is that we are in control of our destiny or we contribute good luck to our destiny. But really, God's providence will achieve his sovereignty. Things happen are not based upon our control or upon luck. Instead, it is based upon God's providence, which is how God hooks things up, connects things, and arranges things in order to wind up on God's sovereign plan. Although we want to be in control, actually, God is in control. There are so many things that are out of our control. God has the authority and the power over all things. In Proverbs 19, 21, it says that many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. We can plan all that we want, but if we are not aligned with God's purpose, then it's not going to happen. It is wise that we find out what God's purpose and will is, and then adjust our plan to match his plan. When we looked at the life of David in the book of Genesis, it appeared that uh, there are good days and bad days. We see this uh, when his father, good days when his father demonstrated love for Joseph and he was given a beautiful new special coat. And yet on the other hand, there are bad days uh, where his uh, brothers were jealous of, of uh, Joseph and sold him as a slave. Later on, we see when he was uh, uh, working as a slave at his workplace, there were good days too when his boss uh, entrusted him with the whole household, but yet there were bad days where the boss's wife accused him of raping her. And one might say that Joseph had good luck on some days and bad luck on other days. But what really happened is we need to take a look at what's happening in the hands of God. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, it says, You intended to harm me, Joseph was talking to his brothers, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God allowed Joseph 
to be sold as a slave. God allowed Joseph to be accused of being raped to accomplish the Lord's purpose. We see later on he became uh, the second in command of Egypt. But he had to go through some of those difficult times. This is a demonstration of God's providence. God uses what appear to be evil to accomplish good in the life of Joseph. In a matter of fact, he did it on purpose. Many times what appear to be random things that are happening to us has really order. It is God's providence. It is God who is working behind the scene, connecting those random dots to accomplish his will. I heard an uh, illustration uh, recently from uh, Tony Evans where he uh, illustrates providence by uh, giving an illustration using an orchestra and the conductor. They at the beginning of a concert... When the musicians play, it appeared to be that there, there's a random, the disconnected, discombobulated noise. And in various times, difficult to listen to. But when the conductor shows up, what sounds like chaos now makes sense. What was disjointed become beautiful, harmonious music. And we might at various times complain that life is chaotic. But what we need to do is to keep our eyes on the conductor. Don't leave the concert too early just because it does not sound right. See, the conductor will bring harmony out of discourse. Last year, Ellie and I um, uh, was able to participate, was able to witness uh, a wedding uh, that took place in Centennial Garden here in Herman Park. There was that there, there was something that happened that day that seems to be terrible, very harmful that turned out to be very good. In the middle of the meal, uh, Ellie was not feeling very well. And just at that moment, uh, Alex Young, you remember, one of our worship leaders here, he just happened to be uh, sitting next to Ellie, and he uh, excused himself, and he uh, went to the restroom. And shortly after that, uh, Ellie asked if, I would uh, accompany her to just walk around because she wasn't feeling very well. We walked back to the room where the wedding ceremony was located. And then all of a sudden, Ellie fainted and falling forward. I was thankful because I was standing in front of her or else she would been crash her head onto the concrete floor. So I caught her. Just prior to that moment, 
uh, one of our couples here, Charlie and Dorcas, uh, happened to be going to the restroom, which happened to be located close to where we were. They saw that Ellie fainted and quickly came over to see how they might be able to help. I asked them to, to go back to the reception hall to get some help. And as I caught Ellie, I noticed something I've never seen before. She was out cold, but her eyes were wide open, staring at me. I was scared of that. When I was growing up, I watched uh, kung fu movies. There were a lot of killing that uh, take place, and, and I remember first time when somebody dies, their eyes are wide open, bulging out, staring. And for a moment, I thought Ellie died. But just at that time, Alex came out of the bathroom, which was close to where we were. I waved him over, and first thing he did was, was to check the posts of uh, Ellie and he assures me that she's alive, and I was relieved. Akil and Michelle, um, who are doctors, and Alex is a doctor too, came, came over to care for Ellie. Ambulance were called. And we were asked as to where, they, they asked us where to take her. And since Ellie uh, recently at that time had a surgery at Memorial Hermann, um, we said, well, let's go there. Just at that time, Alex uh, knocked on the door to just check to see what's going on. And we told him that we were going to Memorial Herman. Then Alex said, oh, my brother-in-law works in Memorial Herman. In fact, he's an emergency doctor. Let me give him a call. So we gave him a call. And found out his brother-in-law was just starting his evening shift at the emergency room. What appeared to be intended to be harm for Ellie, God intended it for good. This is God's providence at work, where God is working behind the scene by connecting random thoughts that appear to be to accomplish his will. It just happened that Dr. Alex Young, who lived in Boston at the time, was just in town for the weekend for the wedding. Just happened to be sitting next to Ellie. Just happened to be stepping out. Just happened to be going to the restroom, which just happened to be where we ended up uh, when Ellie fainted. And just happened that uh, when uh, Ellie fainted that uh, she fell forward, and I just happened that I happened to be in front of her and caught her, and just happened that just at that time, Charlie and Dorcas was uh, going to the restroom also, and just happened that she, uh, they saw what was going on, and just happened that I, they were able to rush back to get some assistance, and, and just happened just at that very moment, a few seconds after Ellie fainted, uh, Alex came out of the restroom, and just happened that uh, he was able to attend to her. It just happened that um, when we found out uh, that uh, Ellie was going to go to Memorial Herman, that Alice's brother-in-law happens to work there. It just happened that he works in the 
um, emergency room. It just happened that he just happened to start um, his shift that evening. All those thoughts seems to be random, but uh, God was working at all. We're good. What, in, what appeared to be intended for evil, God intended it for good. Now, in spite of our pride, our selfishness, and our wandering heart, yet God still loves us. He cares for us. Although we are like vapor that appear for a short period of time, he still hears us calling for help. And he's there to catch us when we fall. See, life is filled with ups and downs, but God knows every turn that we take in our journey of life. And may we acknowledge that God is the master of the universe and that God's purpose is for his glory and for our good. Therefore, we can wait upon him and trust in him because we are his children. See, God's providence will achieve his sovereignty. We can have confidence in finishing the race well. There is nothing better than having Jesus by our side. May we not be afraid to show our weakness because our Lord will pour out his mercy and grace upon us. And he can turn mourning into dancing. If for some of us here that might not know Jesus personally, I invite you to trust Jesus as your personal Savior. It is not because of who we are that, we, that will save us, but really it's because of what God has done, that he has died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And it's not because of what we have done to save us, but because of who God is. He loves us and has provided salvation for us. Let's pray. Dear God, we um, recognize that you are always working behind the scene. You have a, you have, you have a, a perfect plan for us. And it is your desire to bring glory to yourself and bring goodness to us as well. Uh, teach us to trust you, even during uncertainties. Even though there might be pain, we know that you're still there. You're still listening. And may we pursue to love you and to pursue to be obedient to your purpose that you called us to do. And when we do so, we can be assured that all things will work together for good. We thank you, Lord, for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>